But then if we, if we then look at sort of the radio access network part of uh, the, the telco business, it is quite clear that even though telco operators have got existing radio access networks, they need to build up capacity within those networks. They need to invest further for new technologies. And particularly as we move into the 5G space, there's the issues of having to pay for spectrum and then having to invest in radio uh, equipment to take advantage of that spectrum. So clearly, irrespective of stripping out the infrastructure, the hard infrastructure side of things, there's still further capital investment required in the radio network. How do you think about that, Vora, particularly from a capital efficiency perspective? I think it's a very interesting permission because, as you rightfully said, I mean, yes, there's an infrastructure part, and most of these infrastructure owners and operators today are really coming from a real estate background. So they understand owning a tower, owning a brick-and-mortar data center, and, you know, basic supporting infrastructure on it in terms of security, power, or uh, air conditioning, and whatsoever. But uh, they do not necessarily have the experience in engineering and networking from a telco or networking point of view. Now, that's where the traditional MNO set strength because they have lots of in-house engineering capability, uh, you know, serving uh, that networking aspect. Now, with the segregation of service provider going on the service side, infrastructure providers not necessarily having familiarity with deploying and operating networking equipment or uh, networking services. Now, there is a layer in between. The question is whether that layer will be either f fulfilled still by one of these players or there will be a, a different layer of uh, uh, service providers over there kind of, you know, in, 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 uh, on the transmission world of uh, uh, telco, we, we used to have carrier of carrier type of operators, whether we will have this network uh, infrastructure operators indeed who are bridging the gap between the infrastructure owners and the communication service providers. It is a likely possibility. And, uh, and the technology, especially evolving to 5G, is really paving the way for, forward for that because what 5G is all about is also uh, quite a wide concept. Uh, uh, it is really not one thing or one technology. It's a concept of things coming together. There are lots of uh, techniques to improve the efficiency of operating a network. There is a, 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 you know, integrated aspects in, that allows network slicing and sharing on the radio access layer which is allowing multi-operators to, you know, basically operate on a single network and pull the resources in through functions like SDN and NFE as and when needed. So uh, on, on within that, you know, uh, scenario, then uh, uh, if you were to move into 5G, uh, obviously it will make more sense for operators to share more and share more active equipment as well. And... Uh, the question is then who, who is the party who is going to provide these networking services and all the capability over there, which is a complex, uh, complex uh, engineering task. So, so in, the, in the current South African context, there's clearly a need for additional spectrum and there's been many arguments by the operators that that is an impediment towards reducing the cost of uh, data in the market. But one of the key challenges, I think, is the ability of network operators to truly share mm. existing networks. So there, there are regulatory constraints around 
what type of sharing is permitted or roaming, uh, if you want to call it that. But true network sharing will then require a relook at the actual regulations and legislation around mm. the sharing of spectrum. Why do you think the South African regulatory environment is not supportive to something that argues for a level of economic efficiency? Well, I, I don't think it's unique to South Africa. I mean, it's in general, uh, the regulator seems to, you know, be focusing on more the problems of yesterday than the problems of future because it's not because the intention is there. It is just that the, the, this sector has been evolving really fast. And for anyone, I mean, even people within the industry, it's really a challenge to follow up what's going on and how this evolution really impacts the economy and the dynamics and the competition on the market. So by the time regulators try to tackle a problem, that problem becomes a problem of yesterday. There are so much things happening and, you know, the, the conversation has moved on from a technology point of view. So going forward, I guess, I mean, there is definitely a, a lot of work to be done within the current uh, uh, regulatory regime in South Africa to enable more efficient sharing of particularly spectrum and uh, active uh, uh, networking. But on, on, on infrastructure side, to be honest, I mean, there is already ongoing sharing between the operators, uh, uh, between all the MNOs. I mean, they are uh, almost barter trading their power spaces, barter trading their indoor coverage systems and whatsoever. So there is already a you know, sharing economy on the infra side. It is just a challenge of moving this to a layer higher in terms of networking and spectrum point of view, how more efficient sharing can be achieved over there. And that definitely requires a rehaul of all uh, current uh, regulatory uh, environment over there. Mm, I'd like to, um, you know, to add to that. Um, just remember that a mere decade ago, any form of sharing was just wasn't going to happen. Yes. It just was non-existent, and, um, uh, and and I think the fiber industry, uh, to a large extent, coming out with open access networks and facilitating um, active sharing, um, has sort of demolished a lot of the preconceived ideas about sharing and um, the impact that it has on your competitiveness. Um, and I think we're seeing, you know, the rise of the tower codes um, that have, uh, you know, actively encouraged sharing um, and provided uh, economic efficiencies. And, um, and I think that it will continue to happen deeper into the network um, as operators are under uh, pressure to deploy other technologies like 5G and uh, not too far from 5G, we're already looking to 6G. Um, so um, I think it's um, it's it's certainly um, the fiber industry has played a very uh, key role in uh, proving that um, you know there's efficiencies, economic efficiencies, certainly in in sharing of infrastructure. Yeah, I think I think it's also when it's a, it's a bit of uh, maturity of the market as well, because exactly. as a you know communication service provider, if I own the you know dominant infrastructure in the country, then if it is a strategic uh, uh, asset for me and my competitors do not have the same level of infrastructure, obviously I would want to leverage that, right? I, do, I wouldn't want to share and give it away. But when, you know, multiple operators have similar level of infrastructure, then that drives the sharing because it loses its strategic importance. And it happened on towers, it happened on fiber. I mean, uh, 
at the beginning, I mean, we used to have only telecom on the national uh, loan calls, and there was a you know quite a big inefficiency in terms of the pricing, and that's why the you know cost of internet and communication was high. And what happened? Because of that, you know, challenge of having a monopoly, then the duplication of infrastructure happened by the likes of uh, broadband infraco introduced again by the uh, government to break that monopoly. On the private sector side, we have seen the uh, co-built between the uh, several MNOs, uh, mm. again building the key routes in the country, and so several others like Fibercoast and all also joined the train and. That duplication indeed, where we say infrastructure duplication is a bad thing, I mean, through that duplication, we achieved the cost reduction. So without the duplication of infrastructure, that wouldn't have happened. So, I mean, there's probably another interesting area to elaborate as well, because there's this whole debate of whether it makes sense to, you know, uh, overlay the infrastructure. I think it, it should be left to the market dynamics because at the end of the day, I mean, market is in, in a free market. You have this dynamics of economy and uh, returns from investment point of view. And without duplication, that wouldn't have been achieved in my opinion. So, so the market dynamics issue is, is for me a really interesting one because 10 years ago, as Yonita, you, you were saying, infrastructure sharing was a Western markets phenomenon. It was not really present in the African context. The, the, the issue of active network sharing is, is certainly growing in terms of um, operators themselves realizing that sharing the active networks actually is beneficial to their business because there's additional revenue potential which then helps to make up for margin compression in terms of the consumer part of their business. How can the regulator, do you think, become uh, more of an enabler in this uh, and encourage what, in my mind, is a more uh, economically efficient model mm. of investment? Um, it's important to remember, like, like we spoke about earlier, that um, you know, the current legislation was drafted around no sharing of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the regulator then saw that as um, effective uh, and a enabling a very competitive landscape at the time, you know, so in a, in a fair landscape. So if you wanted to um, be a provider of uh, mobile services, then you had to build the tower, you had to put the backhaul in, you had to own the tower, you had to own the active. Um, and I think that's how it was seen uh, in the early days. That's how you had to compete. It, it was a source of competitive advantage, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and what, what it boiled down to was that the, the company with the deepest pockets or the greatest investors behind them, would have had the lion's share of the market. Um, but as the market has matured, I think the regulator has realized that there's a deep need to revisit current legislation um, and to relook it. And certainly we saw that in the, uh, in the ECA Amendment Act that there were a very strong focus on open access networks and encouraging that and sharing of, of infrastructure um, at least. Um, but I think that, um, you know, we've also recently had a change of guard um, and um, there's deep faith in the current minister. Um, she certainly has a, a lot of trust from the industry um, and there's deep faith that she will, um, you know, amend the legislation. Um, but as like Bora mentioned, with a, with a view to the future, to take a step 50 years into the future and say, where is this going and what do we need to enable to make sure that this is sustainable? 
because amending legislation is an incredibly long and cumbersome process. So we need to revisit the current legislation through the ECA Amendment Act, uh, which we hope will come out, back out again soon, um, and then to make sure that it uh, enables this competitive environment that we would like to see in the future.